Hello, everyone. This is Sean Devaney here from Heavy Sports. We're here to talk about the best team in the NBA right now. That's the Boston Celtics here uh, on the on the Celtics Collective, brought to you by Heavy Sports. Uh, I am lucky today that I've got uh, some some real uh, heavy hitters uh, here in the studio with me. Uh, I've got Adam Kaufman of Celtics Beat. How are you, Adam? I'm great. Thanks for having me. All right. Good to see you. And of course. Uh, the veteran himself, Steve Bulpet. Steve, how are you? I know you've been under the weather, uh, but good of you to join us anyways. No worries, sir. You're looking I good. I you dared to introduce me before Steve. <laughs> well, on my screen, so you're you're up in the top right. So I was going clockwise. I, was going I see, clockwise. okay. Uh, I was going to say, uh, this is <laughs> this introduction is not based on, on acclaim or accomplishments. <laughs> Shouldn't you, like, announce this? As if we were starting lineup at a at a game. Next time I'll do that. Six yeah, four yeah. from the university. Six <laughs> four. Yeah. That that's you, Adam, right? Six four. As yeah, as long as you can replicate the guy in where's Detroit. That yeah, you gotta really step it up. <laughs> All right, so there's a lot to talk about with this team. Obviously, seventeen and four, uh, first place in the East, first place in the league. Um, coming off a game on Monday against Charlotte, where they're down. Uh, three starters, basically, if you count Rob Williams, and they score 140 points. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about where the Celtics are here at the quarter pole. Uh, you know, maybe look at who's uh, who's standing where in terms of awards. You know, which Celtics uh, could win what. Uh, we're going to talk about a uh, uh, an off the wall trade trade uh, uh, idea that was put forth by uh, Colin Coward, who's made a career on off the wall sort of stuff. So that's that's fine. Uh, we're going to do our our, our Statter, Statler and Waldorf. If you've watched the Muffets, then you know uh, who Statler and Waldorf are. We're going to do our, our our Statler and Waldorf moment. We're also going to uh, look ahead to this road trip that they have starting this weekend. So a lot to get to. Uh, but let's start with Monday. Uh, you, you know, 140 points uh, without uh, Jalen Brown or Al Horford. Um, you know, really, you could see the depth of this team sort of uh, starting with you, Adam. You know, what what stood out in that game to you? Well, I, I think and, and I am guilty of this as well, like because we look at things through a Celtics lens. So we talk about there's no Horford. There's no Brown. You mentioned no Rob Williams, who, by the way, let's celebrate the fact that he's back to scrimmaging five on five. So the return is nearing for Rob Williams, which is obviously exciting. But what we do, many of us in, in talking about this game and in, in lauding the, you know, whatever, 45 points in the first quarter and 140 and winning by 35, it's Charlotte was nowhere near full strength either. Like there was no Gordon Hayward. There was no Terry Rozier. They were missing guys. So I think that is part of the equation. That being said, Celtics are a significantly better team than Charlotte, even obviously shorthanded. They are one of, if not the best team in the NBA, as you mentioned off the top of the show. So I think what stood out is just the the continued fluidity of this offense. You know, it's it's just beautiful basketball. I mean, the, the way that they are moving the ball and working together and guys are, are not caught up in, in their roles. They're just happy to come in and contribute. Blake Griffin started, you know, a, a, a rare start for him and, and played good effective minutes you barely had to have Tatum out there on the floor he had the 35 points only played I think 30 minutes and was still like a plus 45 or something absurd yeah. a, a great production off the bench between Brogdon and Hauser and uh, you know White continues to be a revelation after you know maybe what the expectations were coming into the season versus what we're seeing from him now in his first full season with Boston so I think that 
this game, even though this was a blowout, not every game has been a blowout, but most of them have been wins. I, I think Steve, the the sort of the 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 microcosm of it is it's every game is just a, a good, well-rounded performance. That's what we're getting to see from these guys. Well, I, I think it's pretty clear that Jalen Brown and Al Horford have been holding them back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, Charlotte is clearly not what Charlotte wanted to be as last season ended. Not only the guys that are injured, but the, you know, Miles Bridges and his domestic violence situation, his absence, um, that's a crushing blow to them. And, you know, yeah. But uh, you can do what you can do. And um, so you wanted to see the Celtics in this situation uh, not deviate from their plan just because it would be easier. It would be easy to win the game regardless. You still have to play hard. I shouldn't say that. You still have to play hard no matter who's on the floor because the guys on the other team, you know, were stars elsewhere, were stars in college. They got to, they're in the NBA. They're, they're being paid to play basketball. Um, but you want to see your team uh, not stray from its principles. And I think you saw that to a large degree the Celtics didn't uh, in that game. Uh, you know, and 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 I think the depth really is something that that that's, that that you know, if we could go back a year ago, if you could go back to November, uh, you know, twenty fifth and 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 twenty twenty one, and say that the Celtics starting lineup is Derek White, Blake Griffin, Grant Williams, uh, Tatum, and Smart, uh, you wouldn't have a lot of hope that they would win that game. Uh, but you know, just this that the, the depth now and 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 the way players are filling their roles, that's that that seems to have completely changed. Um, you know, you're getting you've got a team now that that easily goes nine deep. Uh, you know, and 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 if you count Blake Griffin, can go ten deep once once Rob Williams gets back. I mean, you know, this is uh, uh, it's pretty remarkable. This is a different team. You know, the, the core is the same. Uh, but, you know, when you look at the, the players that they can now count on, that maybe they couldn't count on a year ago, and and even in the finals last year, when, when you know, really they were seven deep, that was it. Uh, you know, this is, a, this, is, this is a much different team than it used to be. Um, and, and I do want to kind of, just, just while we mentioned Charlotte, I do want to kind of bring them up. Uh, you know, they are, I believe they're five and 16 now, uh, and they are tied for fourth for, in terms of the worst record in the league, um, you know, which puts them squarely in the, uh, uh, the Victor Wembanyama conversation. Uh, if they were to do a sell-off, and, and I think a lot of teams are sort of waiting for that, um, you know, is there anything on that roster that you'd like to see with the Celtics? You know, obviously, uh, Gordon Hayward is probably going to be, uh, when, when he's healthy, uh, Rogier's uh, been, been talked about. Uh, I think anybody can have a Plumlee uh, whenever they want one, and the Celtics are one of the few teams that I believe has never had a Plumlee, so uh, they could change <laughs> that. Is there anything on that roster you think that, uh, uh, that, that could help the Celtics that would be worthwhile? I don't think you want to go anywhere near Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier. And it's, it's not, you know, a function. Oh, we don't like those guys or something like that. I mean, they've both been here. You know, we know what they're capable of, obviously when they're right. Hayward, you can't ever count on being right. It's, it's just kind of a tragic basketball story. Unfortunately, not so much tragic for his bank account, but not a guy that you can reliably keep on the floor. And Rozier, he just, you know, I think you could have made a like Terry Rozier versus Kemba Walker case a few years back, but at this point in time, 
Terry Rozier doesn't make sense for this team with what they already have at the guard position. So you're looking at Plumlee, you're looking at PJ Washington, and and that's if you're looking at anybody, by the way, uh, which I'm I'm not even sure that you are with the Hornets. But it just becomes a case of you know, all right, are, are either either of those guys appealing? What do you have to give up to get them? You know, are you going to have to throw Peyton Pritchard and a pick or uh, the Danilo Gallinari's contract, you know, like to, to get something, you got to give something. That's the way these trades work, obviously. And you don't want to mess with your existing rotation, which as you mentioned, Sean, you know, you can, you can mention, I'm not going any particular order intentionally, I guess, but Tatum and Brown and smart Rob Williams, uh, Horford, Grant Williams, Brogdon. Like, I, I mean, that's seven guys before you even get to, Hauser, uh, White, by the way, so that's eight before you even get to Hauser or Pritchard or Cornette, like some of these guys that come after the fact. So you talk about their ability to go like eight, nine deep, like they can go 11, 12 deep if they actually were healthy enough to do so. So I don't think Charlotte, well, I agree they're ripe for a teardown. I don't I don't think that's necessarily a team that you're targeting to do it. Yeah, I yeah, mean, and, and Steve, I know you talked to Gordon Hayward uh, uh, recently. What, what do you think of the situation with Charlotte, and and is that something the Celtics could maybe take advantage of? Well, most of those situations, you can debate whether what you have is better, uh, and it's certainly fair. Uh, and I think you'd come out on the positive side in most of that. But you also have to look at what these guys cost financially. You know what their salaries are. Um, PJ Washington makes reasonable money. Outside of that, and, and is P.J. Washington better than what you have? After that, there's no one I would touch just because of, you know, you've got your chemistry, you've got guys who can play. And I think, you know, you, you started to get into it, the Celtics' depth. I think the big issue is whether the Celtics are going to use their depth as it goes along. I mean, they're using it now because you've got guys out. Um, but last year, one of this team's failings was uh, early – um, MA didn't play the guys, play, play the, uh, the bench guys and particularly your shooters. You have to, we've got, I've said this a billion times, shooters have to have touches. Shooters have to have opportunities or else they cease to be shooters. You can't expect a guy to come into the game totally cold and not see the ball in the first four possessions. And then you whip it to him in the corner and he, and he just drills the three. Um, that's unfair. Uh, guys have got to be able to stay in rhythm. Uh, you saw in the in the finals last year, uh, uh, Peyton Pritchard's minutes get cut in half, his attempts get cut in half. You know, what did you expect? You know, um, so uh, Joe didn't use much of the depth early, and now hopefully he's got a little more confidence in that uh, Sam Hauser can be just, a, you know, uh, one of those guys the Miami Heat always seem to find, one of those shooter-type guys yeah. that you can count on. Uh, and that Peyton Pritchard can be a guy, not just as a shooter, but as a guy that get, that keeps the tempo going, that keeps your pace going. And that is, if you look at, at the difference between this year's team and last year's team, to me, pace is got to be like the top the top difference, perhaps. Yeah, you know, and I I, I would agree with you. I, you know, I think that the one guy that I'd be interested on Charlotte is 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 PJ Washington. Um, Probably would cost you two first round picks, though. And, and you know, you'd really have to wonder if that's worth it. And then you have to pay him in the eye. He's going to be restricted for the same situation as Grant Williams. Didn't really come close to an extension with Charlotte. He wants to be paid. Uh, and there might you know, be an so advantage to having his rights, though. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And you, and you could start, but you know, again, is it worth 
uh, you know, getting uh, given up two first rounders for a guy you might not keep or you might be forced to choose either Grant Williams or PJ Washington, but not both uh, in the end. But 24 years old, you know, and 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 a versatile big guy, I'd at least nose around. And uh, uh, if it was only one first round pick, yeah, you know, maybe that's something worth talking about. But uh, uh, you know, certainly no complaints about what the Celtics roster looks like. Uh, at this point, uh, but let's move on. Is, uh, if the Celtics ever included Grant Williams in that trade, the locker room would certainly be quieter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's. But that they'd lose good. their punching bag, and they don't want that. They lose the punching bag. That's right. And and who's going to dress up for Halloween, right? That's right. So uh, yeah, let's move on because you know we are twenty games into the season. Surprisingly enough, that's uh, a quarter of the way through this thing. Um, you know, obviously, uh, we, we talked about the offense. This is a contender. Um, would we agree that they are right now the, 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 the championship favorites? I mean, you've got Phoenix, you've got uh, uh, Milwaukee, but really nobody else has played anything close to what the Celtics have uh, in terms of where their level is. Well, I'd hate to say championship favorite because it's so far away. But, you know, that's that's the same speculation you'd have before this. Well, now you've seen some basketball. What I would say is that they're playing the best basketball right now. And that's, you know, that's all you can ask for at this point. You know, they've proven themselves that they, that to not be in the mix at the end would be a failure. They've proven they've got that. And, you know, um, it's such a fragile thing. I mean, heck, there are people around Golden State that thought the Celtics were going to win last year. So, you know, favorite and this and that don't mean diddly. You know, you got to get out on the court and get it done. Oh, both that so, you and your uh, you and your rational takes. You know, we need some <laughs> uh, we need some heat out of you. Come on, man. Uh, well, but, you know, Adam. One thing I did want to kind of see if you had a thought on is, uh, you, you know, looking at these first 20, 21 games. Pleasant surprise. <laughs> You know, obviously, there's there's a lot to choose from, but 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 what's kind of stood out for you as as the pleasant surprise of this? Game? Well, I'll first just say in, in response to what you know Steve was talking about, they, they it, it this is the the way that everybody's going, right? Like they're the betting favorites by by a lot. You know, on on any sports book that you look at, the Celtics are considerable betting favorites. So based on where they are right now and, and expectation, you know, clearly people are at least viewing them. In, in that prism of, of sort of championship or bust. And and I know that's a dangerous thing a quarter of the way through the year. As far as what is sort of a well, pleasant well, surprise. Right now, just to interrupt on that point, yeah. the just because someone is a betting favorite, the, the lines aren't set to say who the best team is. The lines are sure. set by Vegas to see how they can make money. So basically with the Celtics being really hot right now, mm-hmm. they're going to give them really, you know, the kind of odds that if you jump on them, like a lot of people probably are, you're mm-hmm. not going to make a lot of money. True. So, you know, that's so Vegas is not set up to tell you who the best team is. Vegas True. is set up to make money. So I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I no, it's a fair point. That. It's a fair point. I, I think that I mean, we can go down like a whole rabbit hole of, of sort of how how we would rank them against other teams in the league and all that stuff. But, you know, clearly what we can all agree on is the Celtics are right there in the conversation and what they've done. Uh, the. I think a large reason for it, and and this sort of dovetails back into the the most pleasant surprise for me. I'm not sure how it could be anything other than and and this it you could go into individuals, but big picture, how it could be anything other than just the offense in in, in as a whole. I mean, this team, their their identity last year under Ime Odoka and 
for many years under Brad Stevens, for that matter, was defense first. And maybe as Rob Williams gets healthy and returns to the floor, they'll shift a little bit or find a balance and and become more of that team that obviously helped take them to the finals last year. But right now, Steve was talking about pace. It, it's the offense that is has soared this team to the top of the league and you know has them out there at 17 and four wherever it is that they stand right now. They are they're you look at the advanced metrics, the offensive efficiency and true shooting percentage and effective field goal percentage and all of that stuff. The Celtics are so far and away ahead of everybody else. It's ridiculous. It's fictional. I mean, they have the best offense right now in their franchise's history and one of the best in NBA history. Is it sustainable? That's a whole other conversation. But I, I, I think in, in many ways it is uh, maybe not quite at the level that they're at, but close to it just because what they haven't had for, for many, many years, top to bottom, you know, they've had isolated guys, but top to bottom, what they haven't had that they seem to right now, shooters. I mean, they've just got shooters up and down this roster. So as the defense gradually catches up, you know, it was bottom 10 for a while. Now it's middle of the pack over the last couple of weeks. It's creeping into the top 10, that type of thing. The And that's small sample size, but the offense wire to wire in, in this, you know, quarter of the way through the year has been absurd. And, uh, you know, even a guy like Sam Hauser, obviously, who, you know, was on no one's radar outside of the organization last year, has been a gigantic part of it. Well, yeah, and those ends of the floor aren't mutually exclusive. I think when their defense improves, their offense will be even better because good defense is good offense. You're talking about opportunity baskets that come from good defense. You're not Mm -hmm. taking the ball out of the net. You're either rebounding it or you're getting the – the live ball turnovers. And as far mm-hmm. as shooting, the Celtics have had shooting before. I mean, you know, Pierce, Ray Allen, uh, Eddie House off the bench. Um, they've had shooters. Yeah, I'm thinking more They've had shooters on this team the last few years even. But the point is, I, I remember writing about this, is that, you know, if you, if you want to make shots, you know, uh, you got to take good shots. You know, hit, if you want to hit more shots, you got to take more good shots. And mm-hmm. good shots come from ball movement. We've been – I mean, I've been screaming about that for so many years now. Uh, it's it's crazy. Um, and, the th- and the thing is that now they are pounding the ball into the floor a lot less often. And you're seeing the ball just get moved in a way that it hasn't, I think, since the way old Celtic days. Uh, you know, since, you know, before your birth, probably, Adam. But, I mean, that's <laughs> that's Celtic basketball. I mean, we go, yeah. back, go through it all the time. And I know I've mentioned it on a bunch of podcasts and stuff, and I've written about it. But to me, the ultimate Celtic trivia question is that no Celtic has ever led the league in scoring, ever. And But six guys who played for the Celtics have led it in scoring elsewhere, but no Celtics ever led it in scoring, which means that they're not about, you know, letting some guy just go off. They're about moving the basketball and making themselves harder to defend because you've got more problems to deal with. Yeah, this team right now, uh, 120.9 offensive rating. That's uh, uh, points per, uh, uh, per 100 possessions. And the next team, number two, is 115. They are five points per 100 possessions better than the, that, than the next team. That is absolutely crazy. Uh, I, saw it is, uh, I think it was Taylor Snow who works for the team <coughs> tweeted out something like, the gap between first and second that you just mentioned 
is greater than like second to 19th or, yes, or whatever right. ridiculous number. Exactly. That's right. That's right. And, and, and it is, you know, 87, 88 Celtics are, are number two in franchise history right now, just in terms of that measure, obviously the three pointer, uh, you know, kind of skews that a little bit, uh, but relative to the rest of the league, this team is better offensively than any other Celtics team has been relative to, to, to when it was playing at that time. So, uh, you know, just statistically, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. Let's, well, let's, talk, you know, obviously when you get to add, because I, I covered that team in 88, you did. Um, is that it's a different league. Sure. Freedom of movement now. I mean, if you were uh, having a really good first quarter in 1987-88, um, you could expect to uh, be uh, getting intimate with the with the hardwood pretty soon. Someone was going <laughs> to deck you, you know. Yeah. So it's a little bit. It's kind of like the NFL. Um, you know, you, it's really hard to um, to compare passing yards today versus passing yards back a billion years ago when they were allowed right. to. You know, sure, uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm talking those criminal actual when you make the adjustments for that, sure. it, it still ranks like if you adjust within the within that year, and and how are they how is their offense compared to the rest of the league within that year? The Celtics are are so sure. far above everybody else now, and 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 more than they've ever been in the history of the league. It, it's 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 pretty remarkable, uh, just how good. And, you know, look, it's 2021 games. Um, you know, it's it, it's not going to be easy to maintain the way that they're shooting the three, the amount of threes that they're shooting. You know, all that stuff's going to be uh, uh, you know going to have some ups and downs ahead. I'm sure. Do we think it could be a, a, a 50, 40, 90 team? We've never seen one of those in the NBA. <laughs> They're, you know, they're, I think they're at what they're at. I, I know they're at like eighty-five percent. They're number one in uh, uh, in, in in free throws. Uh, so I think they're eighty-five percent, and that's that's number one in in uh, free throw percentage. They are right now. They are forty percent from three. They're forty-nine point six. Man, you're right. They're, they're a lot closer than you would think. I'm I just saying, like that, that, it's it's geez. crazy that the one that's nowhere, you know, in in the grand scheme the one that's like so far off is free throws like that yeah. should be the easy one yeah i was having uh, a conversation with rick mahorn um a, well, a couple weeks ago i guess when when detroit was in and he was saying you know how this game isn't so tough anymore and it's this and that and i go <laughs> i go man dude you guys were the jerks they had to change the lead the rules for <laughs> you guys were you know you guys were out there mugging people i mean yep. this was you know in, uh, anyway, and I said, yeah, old, kind of old agree. Johnny Most fans remember was he McNasty or McFilpy? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, he was him and Rulin. Rulin, Rulin. Uh, this is back in their uh, bullets days. Yeah, Jeff Rulin. Uh, was it Jeff Rulin? Uh, and, and yeah, Johnny Most uh, called them uh, McNasty and McFilpy. Mahorn was one of them. Uh, but let's move on because I want to, you know, when you look at where this team is at the quarter pole, I think that the other thing you can say is uh, when you're playing as well as they are. Uh, you're going to be in line for some awards. Uh, and I've got four of them that I think that the Celtics, oddly enough, it's not probably not defensive player of the year. If you're uh, 17th in defense, you're probably mm -hmm. not going to have the defensive player of the year. Uh, sorry, Marcus Smart, even if, you know, they get this time to improve and maybe that'll change. Uh, but that's where that stands right now. MVP, um, Jason Tatum has to be the front runner at this. Would you guys agree? Uh, it's it's him, Luca, and Giannis. A three-man race right now. Yeah. In the conversation, Luca, Giannis, uh, Luca, Giannis, uh, and uh, and Tatum. Maybe Jokic, Ja Morant. You know, those are 
uh, some other possibilities. But I just, uh, thought, I mean, could Jokic possibly get any better? And he's already won the last. I don't see, and and I'm no voter, so I, I guess I, you know, I couldn't dive into the politics of it. But I, I just don't see a guy even as elite and exceptional as he is winning three years in a row. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, and I think their team isn't going to be that much better. Uh, you know, I, I think with, with, if the Celtics keep up anything close to the pace that they're on, uh, you know, if they win 60 games, uh, if they're top one or two in the, in the league in terms of record, I think it's going to be Tatum. 60 could, games. That's all It'd be a disappointment right now. <laughs> what could hurt uh, Jason Tatum's candidacy is the fact that they're going to have other players on the team, like, well, Jalen Brown specifically, playing so well and having such and having such big numbers as well. You know, I'm not saying that, that he's going to take away votes from Jason Tatum, but, um, you know, I think he's going to be looked at as less of a singular force when, when guys get into vote. Yeah. And By the way, just uh, having Nicholas, Dustin Bedroya stealing MVP votes from each other thing. Well, I just, and to, you know, to, uh, in the interest of uh, full disclosure, I, I stopped voting for league awards years and years ago. I just, I think it's unethical for media to vote on them. Um, so, but that's, so I don't even vote for them. So you can take what I say about awards probably with a grain of salt. Cause I don't <laughs> mm-hmm. care. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think uh, Luca obviously doesn't have a lot of help, uh, but that's going to be a team that's going to win 44, 45 games. If, if, if the Celtics win 55 to 60, I think the difference in wins is going to make up for the fact that you've got Jalen Brown there. Um, you know, probably Giannis is 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 probably going to be uh, the biggest threat to Tatum. I'd say. But you can I also say why every time you mention the win total, it's going down. I said fifty-five to sixty. It was sixty. Yeah, it's only fifty-five. You could also say that forty-seven uh, games. Luca's team might win more games if he used his teammates. That whatever he has there, better. Right. And he wasn't such a, a, a one-man show. Yeah, yeah, and maybe some of that's on him. Coach the of the year, the I think. Uh, I think the Celtics have the front runner. I think you could you could argue, uh, you know, probably Willie Green uh, in New Orleans, especially if they uh, mm-hmm. if their record bumps up. I think they've had some uh, some tough losses and a lot of injuries, obviously. But I think Willie Green's going to be a candidate. Uh, you know, we've seen the Jazz fall back, so I don't know that Will Hardy's going to be uh, a candidate uh, by the end of the year. Rick Carlisle, uh, but uh, you know, Joe Missoula, I think is 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 certainly the front runner there. Yeah, I, I wrote this um, for Heavy.com for us. Uh, I believe it was a few weeks ago. Uh, but um, there were people before the season who told me that that Joe Missoula was going to be – this is before the season, again uh, – that he was going to be an upgraded coach for the Celtics. And I was like, okay, that's really interesting. Um, and as we've gone along – you know, I guess it's more interesting, but um, that was something that NBA people were were telling me quietly back then. Take it for what it's worth, but these were you know prominent NBA people. Missoula, Adam, you in? I so I want to frame this the right way. He's absolutely as deserving as anybody else, and he's done a hell of a job, and this <laughs> team is doing an incredible job. I think that if you were you know, outlining possible awards the Celtics could win, whether it's Tatum MVP or obviously we'll talk about Brad and executive of the year or even Malcolm Brogdon, sixth man, that type of thing. I I, I guess I would give Joe Missoula 
maybe the worst chance or close to the worst chance simply because, you know, and, and, and he'll, he'll be top three, like he'll be there. I just think that some voters are probably going to be inclined to look at it and say, yeah, great year. And clearly he's good. And the team was exceptional if they continue doing what they're doing, but he also took over a team, albeit in very, you know, strange timeline and odd circumstances, but he took over a team that just finished two wins shy of a championship, went to the NBA finals. They were a wagon the second half of last year on through the playoffs that they've been a wagon this year. Most of the roster didn't change over. The core was intact. You know, he kind of just, you know, he, he didn't have to come in and change all that much. And I feel like that could be fair or unfair. I feel like that could be used against him by the voters. So, yeah, uh, you know, if they go out and win 65 games, maybe that's something different, but if they win like 58, 60, I don't think he'll win. Yeah, and I think you're right, uh, you know, but I, I also would, would counter that by saying they are playing different. You know, they, I yeah. mentioned before, they've got a completely different rotation. He's mm-hmm. using players in a different way than, than, than MA did, and they're playing a completely different style. So my question for you then, Adam, would be, all right, you're, you're talking about what you think the voters might do. You're a voter. What are you are you voting for Joe Missoula at this point? Let's say. Well, I'm I'm incredibly biased, so of course I would. But uh, <laughs> I, I think if uh, but but removing that right now and and a lot changes obviously in the next sixty games. But right now, I'd probably vote for Will Hardy because he's out there, and I know they've taken a step back, but he's out there winning games when Danny Ainge is doing everything in his power to make sure that they don't, <laughs> and it's it's really been entertaining to watch. Look, uh, he's got. Joe Mazzulla's got the Celtics playing with pace. And I know that Brad Stevens was trying desperately to get the team to play with this kind of pace. Ime Udoka said he was, but I think I think coaches, especially young coaches, which is what's surprising about Joe Mazzulla, is that younger coaches, uh, first-time type coaches, seem to want more control of things. So, um, you know, I think that came in at some difficult times for the Celtics last year. Uh, going away from pace. But, you know, this is something that Brad Stevens was trying for years. Um, You know, whether it's something Joe has said, something Joe has put in their Gatorade, I don't know. (laughs) But um, it's they're playing now the kind of basketball that, you know, Brad Stevens would have, you know, given his right arm for. Maybe his left arm. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe both. Non-shooting arm, whichever it is. Yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, and 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 that's uh, uh, it's a it, it's a good point. And um, yeah, you know, I think I, in the end, though, I still think uh, uh, is the guy that uh, uh, that I would go for executive of the year. Adam, you kind of stole my thunder there and, and brought up uh, the two other guys that I was going to bring. Uh, you know, I I I, I think. Brad Stevens would be unanimous at this point. I mean, everything, you know, other than the Gallinari injury, which obviously is not something he could have, uh, he could have foreseen, um, or maybe he could have, you know, depending on his history, but you know, what, what he's done, everything he's done, you look at what they gave up for, for Malcolm Brogdon, uh, that's, that's just worked out to be such a fantastic move, um, you know, and, and, and really just go, uh, up and down the uh, up and down the, the the number of transactions that he made and everything has worked out so far. Uh, he's got to be right now. Uh, I can't even see anybody who'd be close to him. I agree. Yeah, I, everything that Brad has touched, and, and never mind just this past off season, but basically since he has 
been elevated to Pobo. He's, you know, has, has he made a bad move yet? Or if he has, you know, one that he hasn't instantly corrected, you know, he, he hasn't, he, he's really, it's, I, I was skeptical when, when they didn't, you know, look outside and, you know, bring in, I don't know, Sam Presti for an interview or something. I know other people were talking about that at the time, but when he was, it felt at the time when he was gifted this job and it was, it was just like, yeah, let's just bring up Brad, you know, uh, it was, well, I mean, he's never done this. Can he, you know, I, he's got a great basketball mind. He's surrounded by great people, but you still got to make some very difficult decisions. And he's a coach at heart. He's been a coach forever is, you know, he's never done this. Can he do this? And he has just blown away my expectations. I think probably most people's and, and again, I, I, I would be hard pressed without really like looking up all of his transactions over the last couple of years, I'd be hard pressed to find, a bad move that he has made. And you can, if you want to, in terms of this year and winning executive of the year, I think he's very deserving. The gallant, the Brogdon, that, that move was a steal at the time. All Malcolm Brogdon had to do to make that deal look good was stay on the floor for 60 plus games and, you know, buy in. And he bought in before the deal was even consummated. It's, you know, yeah. why he chose Boston versus Toronto or or wherever else that, that the Pacers were willing to move him to. And listening to him the other night, even, you know, after that game, talking about how he's constantly reminding some of the, the, the career Celtics here, Tatum, Brown, Smart, Grant, you know, how the grass isn't always greener elsewhere. And, you know, really appreciate what what you have and what you're doing and this place is special and he's just been such a a tremendous addition to that room and that is obviously a huge credit to him but you give credit to brad for bringing in a guy of that caliber you know he sees everything they were missing in the playoffs last year and uh the gallinari move like you said he good move he got hurt not brad's fault but to then not overreact and as many of us were calling for and go out and get a Carmelo Anthony or who like who are we going to replace him with versus entrusting in Sam Hauser to uh, be you know the the next guy in line to to just you know be this microwave off the bench and and be you know more than a, a silver lining really a true blessing in disguise to where now you wonder at least I wonder if Gallinari is even going to wear a Celtics uniform ever so it's uh it's yeah I, I can't say enough good things about the job that Brad has done in this role Steve no one better no one better uh at uh, at GMing right now than yeah, uh, well you're basing him on the moves he's made and I think it'd be hard to make a case against him or that anyone else has been better um and like some of his moves were, you know, the the Al Horford move was ridiculously smart. And I know we've talked about it and written about it, but it was ridiculously smart in a way that people I don't think looked at when it was made. Um, you got Al and to move him into the starting lineup as four or, you know, he and Rob Williams together up front. But what that did was it allowed Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to move over a chair. And all of a sudden, now Jalen Jason Tatum has got a size advantage at three. And now Jalen Brown's got size advantage at two. And that improves your defense greatly and your offense greatly as well when talking about finishing. Um, but just that move, for beyond what Al can do for you when he has the ball, uh, his defensive principles, uh, his shooting, all those things. What he did for the mix, I think, was huge. And I don't think it gets talked about nearly enough. 
Yeah. And, you know, Al, and, and, and really, like I say, you can go down the list of, of transactions in the last year and it's, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, uh, even the, the little things like, you know, Luke Cornett has been everything you could want in a backup mm-hmm. big man. Uh, they went out and got Blake Griffin. Uh, you know, obviously they, they, they sort of hemmed and hawed about what they were going to do with that spot. And they finally decide, let's get a, a veteran who can play, you know, both front court positions. That's worked out, you know, when they've had to call on Blake Griffin, that's worked out perfectly. Sam mm-hmm. Hauser right now is a plus six, nine uh, in terms of his plus minus. That's the best in the league of anybody coming off the bench. Uh, you know, and this is, you know, just everything that 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 he has done, even these little moves have worked. Uh, Kevin Geely and 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 Shamanish, look at the, mm-hmm. the main Celtics are first place. And, yeah, they're uh, a wagon too. They're, they're, they're killing it. Those guys are. are and are Jaden Davidson looks like he there. can play. I mean, we haven't really seen yet, but he looks like a you know a potential help off the bench eventually. Uh, yeah, and I mean, uh, so I mean, the, even the even the little things have really worked out. Um, and one last thing uh, on, on awards, uh, and that's sixth man of the year, Malcolm Brogdon. I think by the end of the year, he probably should win it. I think he won't win it. Uh, like you were talking about before, Adam, I think, um, you know, voters tend to look at, uh, okay, who's scored the most points off the bench? That's going to be the sixth man of the year. Uh, and, and that won't be Brogdon, even though I think he's eighth in, uh, in points off the bench. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's he, in terms of a guy who has an impact, and the impact that he has when he comes into a game, I can't imagine anybody in the league having a bigger impact than what Malcolm Brogdon brings uh, coming off the bench uh, right now more than, you know, if you look at uh, Benedict Mather, Matherin's been good. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Indiana, the rookie uh, Christian Wood, uh, yeah. Norm Powell in, in, in Los Angeles for the Clippers, uh, you know, all good all good six men. I don't think anybody has the impact that, that Malcolm Brogdon has had. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about that, Steve? Well, I think that uh, – that- Brogdon, when he comes in the game, you know the basketball is going to get to where it's supposed to be. And there's a, a measure of – I think there's a reason also why uh, – I think he's part of the reason why Hauser has played really well. Um, the you can Things can get a little bit out of sorts during a game, but when Brogdon's in, there's a calming effect on things. You, you have a certain confidence that, okay, well, they're going to run their offense or they're not going to do something really dumb here that's going to just – contribute to the avalanche that the other team is on. Having said that, they have Celtics have been caught in a few rocks or falling kind of situations here where they've given up big leads. But I think, look, I, I've said it before, I fully believe if, if Malcolm Brogdon had been on the Celtics last year and healthy during the finals, I think that series is over. I think Boston's got another flag. Six yeah, man. I, Adam, what do you think? Completely agree. I mean, a couple of minutes, you know, where's Lou Williams in the voting? Um, <laughs> you know, you, it, like, obviously, like, the guys that you mentioned are very deserving or, or in the conversation. You could include Jordan Poole in there. There's, you know, there's going to be a movement for Russell Westbrook to win the award uh, that, that you know, people in L.A. are already trying to start to, you know, get going. But I, I think, uh, obviously, there's no team that I watch more closely than the Celtics. And I, I, I'm sort of going back to what I was just doing with Brogdon talking about the speeches that he gives to his teammates, you know, he was asked, what is it about your bench unit that is so successful as, as, you know, sort of that leader of, of the second pact. And he was talking about how 
other teams are, you can see other teams are changing the way they play against us based on how our bench is doing. You know, it's whether it's changing their rotations, whether it's staggering starters minutes differently, leaving starters in to face our bench. You know, they've, they've, the approach is different. And that in large part is a credit to Brogdon and the way that obviously that, that, uh, that that bench is all gelling together. I, I think that Brogdon is is just such an an immense, enormous piece to what they are um, doing so far, capable of doing going forward. And uh, as Steve mentioned, what was missing in the past. And so, uh, again, credit to Brad for bringing him in, but uh, Brogdon has been immense. So uh, yeah, he'd he'd have my vote right now. And you mentioned yeah. how teams, how opposing teams change, and I think it's hilarious. Um, when Sam Hauser's in the game. And look, Luke Cornett is not a great on-the-ball defender either. But when Luke Cornett is in the game, it seems teams will just drop what they're doing and go after Luke. And it's hilarious because <laughs> it takes you away from what you're doing, what you do well. I mean, the, um, the benefit years and years ago to having guys like Spud Webb come into the game for, the, for Atlanta was, I just recall, it was like, you would drop what you're doing. The Hawks knew the other team would drop what it's doing and go after them. And it's like, you, you take them away from their game and, you know, they make a couple of turnovers and here comes Atlanta and, and Spud's actually a plus even with his, what, five foot six. So there's some measure of that with Luke going after him because the Celtics do play good team defense most mm -hmm. of the time. And, you know, it's great. You just screwed up your offense. And now the Celtics are running the other, other direction. Yeah, I, you know that, that that used to be the case with Earl Boykins too. I remember, you know, he's five five, uh, and uh, I forget which team he's playing for. But as I, you know, I, I like putting him out there. The coach is saying because you know the other point guard is going to think I got to post this guy up. <laughs> not a lot of potent. There's not a lot of point guards who are good at posting guys up. So you know, you're putting somebody in there and you're getting your uh, you're taking yourself out of what you want to do. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's 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 certainly the case there. Uh, let me let me uh, jump in with something else here. Um, you know, I mentioned Colin Coward, Rob Williams for Anthony Davis. That was what he he put forth. Uh, I think there's a lot of problems of with that. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> I think uh, for one thing, you know, the Celtics would have to include somebody else to make the salaries. Right. Probably a Derek White. So uh, so there's there's that. It's actually Rob Williams and Derek White. Rob Williams 25. Anthony Davis is going to be 30 uh, in March. Obviously, both guys with with injury concerns, uh, but you know, let's 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 say uh, you could make that deal. Uh, would you, if you're the Celtics, would you, if you're the Lakers? You know, it's it's times like this where I I, I kind of get really depressed because I realize, you know, I'm being stupid for a lot less money than. than so <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, uh, look, uh, at their best, at you know, at their peak performance. There's no way that the, the Lakers would give up on, on Anthony Davis for a for, for a Rob Williams, and but in this situation, if I'm the Celtics, I don't make I don't come close to making that move either. They've both got injury issues, and will they stay on the floor? Issues. Um, if you look at the money, however, Rob is under a very very favorable contract for a while now, uh, and I go back to one other thing I was told. Uh, a few years ago, when the Celtics were trying to get Anthony Davis from New Orleans, and a guy within the Pelicans organization took me aside and said, uh, if your guys 
trade for Anthony Davis, then Marcus Smart better not be in the deal because you're going to need someone like him to, to yell at, at Anthony to keep on him <laughs> because he's got like they just the guy said he'd never seen anybody take more trips to the trainer's room. So, um, again, you know, you can disagree with what that person said, but he was, he was a prominent person in that organization. Um, but, you know, um, that was certainly an opinion around that club. So I remember um, years ago, I don't remember how long ago, but I, at least like four or five years ago. And and I I have, whether it was my radio show or my podcast or whatever, and Steve would come on occasionally back, you know, in, in the Herald days. And and uh, and he told me once that he, bas- he didn't like to do a lot of radio interviews, basically because he didn't want to have conversations just like this one. <laughs> because, you know, because he, he like didn't, you know, like, like, don't don't make me the hot take guy, because some of this stuff is just stupid. And this, well, he, knows, this he knows that I force him. I force no, him. No, but, but like this is and I'm not, like, this isn't stupid on your part. This is stupid on, you know, Colin Coward's part, obviously. But it's a, it's a dumb deal. And you could make, as Steve just alluded to, you could honestly make a case for why either team would not be interested in doing it. If I had to pinpoint one team that would be more likely to do it, it actually would be the Lakers, you know, given where they are as a franchise right now versus, you know, where the the Celtics are one. And and this is the most important detail. And you mentioned it right off the bat, Sean, the money doesn't work. The money doesn't come close to working. Anthony Davis is making $38 million this year. He's making almost twice what Rob is making. So if you are making the deal, you're sending out Rob and White or Rob and Brogdon or Rob and like Rob and X. So you're hurting your depth. You're hurting your team. It just, it, it, you're it, two guys with injury histories, one who is, you know, in, in the grand scheme, a, a fair amount older, as you mentioned, Sean. It just, it doesn't make a lick of sense for the Celtics to do something like this, which is why, by the way, it's not a real rumor. It's not a real report. Yeah, it's not exactly a real right, thing. Right, it's just something right. that a national radio guy, you know, spat out and we're talking about it. More yeah. than twice. What yeah, it's, it's almost four times. Nearly three times as much. Yeah, no, it's it's more than three times. Rob's making $11 million there you go. this year. So yeah. Almost four I times. I sometimes forget how good a contract Rob is on. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, and, yeah. you know, it's it's because of the injury history. And that's I got to tell you, I go back to my college every year and teach for a week. I know. Molding young minds has got to scare you more than climate change. I get it. Um, but one of the things I always talk about is if you're a columnist for a paper or for a website or you're on uh, sports talk radio, uh, you are allowed to give your opinion. You, one of the reasons you're getting paid what you're being paid is because they think your opinion is valid. and They want you to give your opinion. Mm-hmm. But you owe it to your readers and you owe it to your listeners that your opinion be based on a true story. You know, um, I just, I think it's when you've got someone giving you their time, like I just, I always am amazed that people will, you know, um, take the time to read my stuff. Um, You owe it to them, I think. So, uh, you know, you gotta be a little bit, you know, a little bit smart. (laughs) Steve, uh, uh, I think, that's uh, that's probably better. That's, 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 that
Okay, it's Colin Colin telling me bleep you, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, just a couple last things uh, to get to, guys. You know, they're 17-4. and Uh, I was always a Muppets fan growing up. I used to love Statler and Waldorf, the two old guys who did nothing but complain up in the balcony. Uh, So let's have our Statler and Waldorf moment uh, with this Celtics team. Hard to do given, given the way they've played. Uh, what's 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 the lament? What's the thing that you'd like to see different about this team? What's your complaint uh, about this Celtics team, even though they're seventeen and four at this point? They're Adam, start one. They're not twenty-one and zero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, uh, the me being me, like that. I I'm I'm still like kind of pissed off about the 19 point blown lead in Chicago and, and losing that game because I'm I realized that like a 19 point lead is not what a 19 point lead once was in the NBA but it still feels like a sizable enough lead to me that you, you want to hang on that and win the game so that still kind of bugs me a little bit but their record is what it is if I had to pick one actual thing right now that is just a a, a, a bit higher than I would like it to be uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are both averaging like 36-ish minutes per game. I would love there to be a universe where Joe could bring that down to like 33, 34, just to keep them as as fresh as humanly possible, you know, going into the playoffs when when that time arrives uh, so that, you know, they don't run out of gas and they can be at, at, at their, the best versions of themselves. I realize fully that there are reasons that, that guys play the minutes that they do that go beyond – just you know hey we needed them to win the game it's you know there there's a conditioning element uh, to it that the training staffs and coaching staffs talk about and you guys would know more about this than me you've probably written about it and i'd be curious I, i'd love to read more about it i'd love to you know I, I i should reach out and try and talk to joe Missoula about it because i you know it's it's the same reason that like people call for guys to you know you're up by 25 points with six minutes left why aren't you getting the starters out and and i'm sure there's a reason for that you know that that guys will play those extra couple of minutes for for the sake of i don't know routine or repetition or whatever the hell else i have no idea but they've they've done it with smart they've done it with you know horford and these guys like they've got them down around the the low 30s 31 32 i would love them to be able to bring down Tatum and Brown's minutes just a little bit. This is, it's, it's not a, it's not a huge complaint, obviously, but it's a fair point for sure. And, and, and Steve, do you have uh, something to uh, Statler and Waldorf about uh, with this team? First of all, Muppets. <laughs> uh, when I was in college at, uh, I believe it was seven thirty on Saturday nights, the Muppets were on the local TV station. Uh, you have to understand in Southwest Ohio, near Kentucky and Indiana, the Muppets were the basic equivalent of masterpiece theater. <laughs> um, and uh, as the year went along, um, we just my I lived in apartment five C in Campus South, and the the people in the apartments around us and other friends, as the year went on, they would start to gather in our apartment at seven thirty on Saturday nights. There was, there was much alcohol imbibed. People would come in bringing case of beer, and we would sit there and watch the Muppets. Can I sing the entire Muppets intro song? Yes, the frick I can. <laughs> uh, and by the end of the year, with uh, the girls on the floor, and, and uh, people had brought me a whole bunch of Muppets, and I, should, I still have them somewhere here. Uh, Animal, probably my favorite. Um, 
But, you know, Statler and Waldorf, I've got a good mind to leave here. If you want a good mind, you wouldn't be here in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> okay, probably that's more than you wanted to know about Muppets, me, etc. I actually kind of want to hear you sing the Muppet song now. Well, it's time to play the music, bitch. Uh, <laughs> it's time to light the lights. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, what, what would be my Statler-Waldorf issue is defense um this team's defense carried it last year when the offense was screwing up when guys were pounding the ball into the floor it was the defense that saved them okay um it was the pounding the ball into the floor that killed them in the in the, in the playoffs and the finals and it's the same thing that killed them in you know hero ball killed them in 2018 19 20 21 was kind of a washout uh but they have to get back to that defensive mentality where when another team starts to make a run from, like you say, the you know from the deficit the opponent is in in Chicago, that the Celtics know, hey, we're going to lock down these next three possessions. The opposing team's getting nothing, and we're going to come back here and, and we're going to stem this tide. And the inability to, to jump on that right away is something that would concern me a little bit because. As much as we can talk about how good their offense is and, and how well it moves and all these different things, um, shots don't always fall. Even good shots, even wide-open shots don't always fall. And if a couple of shots, shots, open shots miss, then that gets into people's heads. So you can get into an offensive slump, and you better have that defense. That is no excuse for your defense not showing up night-to-night, -night, possession for possession. When we were talking, I was talking with Greg uh, Popovich a couple of years ago about the wild mood swings in the NBA, and, you know, teams winning a bunch and losing a bunch. And he goes, it's a three-point shot because everyone's just relying on it. And if you get hot for a few games, you go on a tear. If you miss a bunch, you, you, you stink for a few weeks or for a, a week or so. And it, it's, it's crazy, but that's the thing. And it, it, but you should always be able to rely on your defense. And I don't think that's there as much as the Celtics want it to be. One more thing. Having said that, two words, Rob Williams. Uh, he will change this defense uh, dramatically. He'll help the offense as well because he's a guy that the ball does not stick in his hands. Uh, but defensively, he will alter how this team uh, performs defensively. But it's still going to be guys – you can't just rely on him to, to – um, solve all your problems on the back line. You still have to have guys on the ball uh, getting up into people uh, on the perimeter because that, you know, keeping a team from beginning its offense or forcing the, a team to begin its offense much later in the shot clock, that's huge. So defense would be my Statler-Waldorf respect dudes uh, issue. That was uh, inspirational and celebrational, Steve. So and muffetational. <laughs> muffetational. Okay, finally, guys, uh, quickly, we're going to just take one quick look at the six-game road trip that they've got uh, coming up. Uh, Brooklyn and Toronto back-to-back. -back. Then they head west. They've got Phoenix, Golden State, uh, and the two L.A. teams to close out. And that's a back-to-back -back as well. So six games, two back-to-backs, trip out west. Uh, not an easy trip uh, by any stretch. Uh, what do you guys see? Six games? Uh, are we thinking three and three? Are we thinking six and oh? Adam, how about you? I'll go four and two, and I won't go like game by game. This will be the result, but I think that 
they're an excellent team. They're a deep team. They're going to be like Horford's going to miss games, whether it's, you know, missing both back legs of the back-to-back as he has traditionally done. I don't know. You know, who knows? Tatum or Brown with their lingering injuries could miss time uh, at, at some point, like one game here, there. Um, maybe Smart misses or Brockton misses. Like, they're, they're not going to be fully healthy through this trip. Someone is going to miss some time uh, just because that's the way it works. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to put four and two on it. Six-game you know, trip, uh, Steve. Who do you, uh, how do you see this going? You know, when you told me this was going to be uh, uh, something we're going to talk about, I had the exact same thought that, um, you know, a, a four-and-two trip would be, you know, would be good. Would be like you, you can't argue with something like that. You, you're only going to – a six-game trip, even though you lose two and you haven't lost that many now, coming out two games ahead of 500 on a on a six-game trip, take it and and move on. Um Having said that, I'd like to see them play well in, in those games. You, you've you've got depth to lean on now, and um, I you know would hope to see some of that really come through as it gets more difficult on the road and you're, as you're not playing the the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, I want to see them go on the road uh, next Wednesday in Phoenix, uh, a team that's playing really well. That's that that had a bit of a slow start, like the Celtics, and got itself together. I want to see them go and win that game. That you know that that to me is uh, they're probably right now. Again, we can talk about favorites and all that, but but they are right now. They're the best team in the Western Conference. Uh, I'd like to see them win that game. Uh, they probably have a couple losses uh, around there. I think the Warriors is probably going to be a bit of a trap game for them, uh, and uh, and Toronto could be an issue as well. Yeah. Um, so those are probably the two losses that I see. But I think I think four and two. Uh, a that would be a, a, a really good trip. I mean, you go west uh, on a trip like that, you come out with four wins. You got to be happy. Uh, and I also think that's. Uh, that's- <clears throat> Uh, that, that's pretty realistic in terms of what they can do. So, I look at Toronto and, and Golden State as the two more more difficult games. But in the in the latter case, the Celtics do have two nights off before that game. Yeah, mm, so they should be ready for that puppy. Um, yeah. Yeah. And God, you know, who knows what Golden State is. Um, I think they're, I think they're ready. Be ready. I think the Warriors be ready to give the Celtics their best shot on that one. Uh, and yeah. with that, we're going to wrap up. Adam, uh, always a pleasure to see you. And Steve, sometimes a pleasure to see you. And uh, <laughs> and, this, <laughs> and this was one of them. So thank you both, guys. Use anybody uh, else that's here. And 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 check out heavy.com. Uh, check out Heavy Sports. Check out Heavy's uh, uh, Facebook page for the Celtics. Lots of good content there. Keeps you up to date uh, on everything going on with the team. Uh, And thanks, everybody, for tuning in.